Hey, what's up, everybody? Craig Smoke, Sikkim365.com with a rapid reaction podcast as Baylor football rolls into Cincinnati, Ohio for a first-time-ever matchup and rolls out with their third win of the year, 32-29. The Bears victorious over the Bearcats and with the win, Dave Aranda and company coming off of the bye week, now 3-4 and four overall and 2-2 two and two in Big 12 play, believe it or not. Meanwhile, Scott Satterfield and that Bearcats program, year number one in the Big 12, they dropped the two and five overall, and now zero and four in the league. Still searching for that first conference win, and they are joined by UCF uh, in that pursuit. And at the bottom of the standings, and that's something that Baylor now gets to avoid for the time being. And they create a little bit of a buffer between themselves and the very bottom rung. Now it's not nearly as high of a rung, and it's no moral victory, um, but it was good to see a win. It was good to see them beat a team that you would expect them to beat at this point. And there was a lot of uncertainty about that. Uh, there was good money put on Cincinnati. They were favorites entering this game. Uh, they had had their own struggles, but because of Baylor's struggles, a lot of thought out there that the Bears wouldn't be able to go on the road and get their second win on the road. But that's exactly what they did. And now both of those wins have come against new programs in the Big 12 and Cincinnati, and of course, prior to that, UCF, but both of them nail biters in the long run. So, just a few things from today. Um, first of all, uh, Nipper Stadium seemed like it was a, a pretty cool place, but on the ESPN broadcast, ESPN Plus broadcast, uh, which I'm sure many of you were watching along with me, uh, the lady in the background with the shrieking, shrill, high pitched, knife-like uh, audio in your eardrums throughout the game was something else. And eventually, uh, my the human body is an amazing thing, and I just tuned it out, I believe. I think some of you all just muted the broadcast itself. But if you watched, you know what I'm talking about. And that was uh, not a fun part of, of watching that, that broadcast. But end result made it all worth it, right? So like I said a few minutes ago, ugly win beats an ugly loss. I'd much rather be talking about a win in any shape or form, that's uh, you know, uh, not like some massive cheating, uh, rather than any kind of a of an ugly loss. And had Cincinnati finished what they had an opportunity to do there at the end of the game, uh, we were very very close to talking about an absolutely despicable, ugly, filthy loss. Um, it would have been a tough pill to swallow. It wouldn't have been a huge shocker just based on kind of how that game had gone. Uh, but it would have been hard, uh, given that they had that opportunity right there. And uh, fortunately, that's not an outcome that we have to talk about. We do get to talk about an ugly win. And I don't feel bad calling it that because it was obviously that if you watched the game. But like I said, who cares? But Dave Aranda, also, in, in the audio I got to hear uh, afterwards from uh, the radio broadcast, he himself saying that it was ugly. And, and it was, as we'll get to in just a moment. We wondered, coming out of the bye week, what would be the major uh, changes, differences, you know, especially with so much talk from Mac Rhodes' comments about his discussions with Dave Aranda and their offensive, you know, approach. And obviously Aranda talking about it in his press conference. And it's just, it was well known that they were uh, going to be looking at things, especially offensively. But just in general, you have that open week and that's time to regroup, retool and and do what you can to improve or change your team for the better. And so what was that going to look like on the other side, knowing that that was something that they were busy at work doing the last couple of weeks? Well, what that looked like was our run game is our weakness. Their run defense is their strength, especially up front on the D-line. We're just not going to run the ball 
for a good portion of the start of this game and for a good portion of this game. And that's what the big change was. Aranda talked about the pass setting up the run, and he wasn't lying, folks, because we didn't see a single run until the third offensive drive of the game, and we didn't see a lot of running, period, although that opened up a little bit later on in the game, and they eventually finished with 28 carries for just 80 yards and the touchdown, which was a Blake shaping keeper, but that's not going to cut it, obviously, Um, but it was what they were able to muster, and it was also just not a focus of theirs. They were passing to set up the run. They passed, and they passed, and they passed, and they passed some more, and they ran for just a second, and then they passed some more, and then later on in the game, they were able to rely, I don't know if rely is the right word, but they were able to run the ball a bit more and attempted to a bit more, Um, but you know, had a lot of different guys get their hands on the ball, but just 80 yards overall. And so that was the the big change, was the pass setting up the run. And they passed a lot. Blake Shape in 42 attempts on the day for 316 yards, 25 completions out of those 42 attempts for 316, plus the one touchdown pass as he found yet another tight end with his sixth touchdown pass of the year. I'll get to that in just a moment. Um, But yeah, that was the biggest difference. And in the passing game, uh, he got a a great contribution. And so let's kind of hit some of the bullet points here. And there will be radio time and podcast time and article time to discuss things more in depth. But big noticeable thing, ugly wins beat ugly loss, passing, 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 to set up the run and passing some more was the big offensive change and, and direction uh, and approach that we saw this week. And then also uh, some areas that were uh, promising or that were good to see, things that I, I've talked about quite a bit, and I'm sure others have as well. But I know for me, some of these I hit on this very week on on multiple occasions. And one of those was the lack of impact from this transfer class. Uh, you have double-digit number of newcomers, and yes, it takes some guys some time to to get in and make a difference. Uh, but you know, you just hadn't seen, especially from some people you're bringing in, to kind of be the finishing touches in some ways. Uh, and very ballyhooed, they had a pretty nicely ranked transfer class, but just didn't feel like we'd seen a lot of impact from them. And that was not the case today. Byron Vaughn's with the scoop and score touchdown that was a pivotal score, especially in a three-point win, uh, but an absolutely massive play at the time that was able to give Baylor an early 17-7 to lead. Uh, so the 15-yard scoop and score, huge for Byron Vaughn's. Uh, his first career touchdown with the Bears, obviously, uh, but not to be outdone, Jake Roberts. Uh, you know, he comes over from North Texas. Vaughn's, of course, from Utah State. Uh, but Jake Roberts also finding the end zone, his first Baylor touchdown of, of his uh, short career, I guess seven games in now at this point, um, and, and Shapin's only passing touchdown on the day. Uh, but great to see that uh, as well to uh, get them you know, into a more comfortable position there early on in the second half to where they opened it back up to a double-digit lead. And again, every point mattered in this outcome. So Byron Vaughn's, Jake Roberts, both contributing with touchdowns, uh, was great to see impact from a couple of transfers. And, um, you know, I know others involved as well. And uh, in particular, uh, the guy I want to talk about now, we talk so much about the pass, Keytron Jackson, a huge day from the former Arkansas Razorback and another transfer that contributed massively. And if not for a specialist who we'll get to, uh, Keytron would have been the 
MVP of this game or would have been the player of the game with five catches for 130 yards. Also had some meat left on the bone as well. Uh, some missed opportunities. You know, I can think of, uh, you know, late in the game, Shapin missed him on what could have possibly been a long touchdown. But regardless, a career day for Jackson, his first ever 100-yard game of his career period, not just at Baylor. Uh, so great to see that. And I talked a lot in the week about the transfers, but what I'd also talked about was the double whammy with Keytron that was so great to see today was uh, the wide receiving group. Talked a bit about how they just, quite frankly, needed to be tougher. They needed to be more dominant. They needed to jump up and get physical with defensive backs and grab the ball away and make the catch and not let it get knocked away or you know flutter out of their hands and hit the ground. And Keytron made a catch early on, contested, and... It was just like, oh, okay, yes, exactly that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And he would go on to do that throughout the rest of the afternoon. Um, Great performance from uh, Keytron Jackson Jr. And awesome to see him uh, make a new mark in his own little personal record books there. So, yeah, um, receivers, uh, him in particular, uh, making some tough catches was a big topic that uh, I discussed this week and, and really throughout. Players making plays, it feeds into that as well. So does Byron Vaughn's touchdown, but they both, along with Jake Roberts, feed into the transfer subject as well. So loved a lot of those boxes um, you know, getting checked. Uh, also, uh, there was the matter of special teams. And this was not a topic that I had harped on at all or or really discussed much at all, Uh, but it deserves the biggest shout-out because the MVP today was not Keytron Jackson, and that's because the MVP today was one Isaiah Hankins, who was money when it came to the kicking game. Four for four, including a long of 54, also two for two on extra points. But he was oh so important. He got the scoring started in the first quarter with the 54-yarder. I mean, you can never take those for granted. Uh, after a three and out, uh, we're just kind of like ho-hums, a scoreless game. All right, yeah, 54 yards. Okay, let's see. And he nailed it and um, got them on the board and gave them the early lead. They would give up the touchdown right afterwards, but Hankins again later on extended their lead to 20-7 to with the uh, 43-yard field goal. Again, just something that you don't take for granted late in the third quarter. Uh, in you know a 12-point ball game at that point, he extends the lead to 15, which obviously that would come into play again. A 46-yard field goal, and then again in the fourth quarter, 43-yard field goal. Unbelievable performance from Isaac Hankins. One of the best, if not the best, kicking performances I've seen covering Baylor with a 43, 43, 46, and 54-yard field goals in what was a three-point win. He finished off drives. The offense couldn't finish off, and he misses one of those. This is a different ball game. Uh, they don't have his reliability. This is a different ball game. And it's a it's a score a final score going in the other direction. So MVP honors certainly go to Isaiah Hankins, but I also put that into the players making plays category, which ultimately is what it's all about. And so awesome to see some transfers getting involved. Awesome to see just players making plays. Uh, awesome to see receivers going up and making tough catches and being tough out there uh, and running their routes and doing so. Um, and yeah. Uh, just a, a lot of things there that that I loved coming out of this football game. Now, as far as you know, the big picture and all of that, nothing's really changed. I mean, their record's better. Um, it's better 
to have a win, as I'll keep harping on, than to have a loss to talk about, and certainly for them to celebrate, and or you to celebrate. Uh, you'd much rather have the uh, the win than the loss. But in the big picture, nothing's drastically different. This is still a team that failed mightily to, uh, to run the football uh, for the most part today. Now, granted, a combination of not trying too early on versus also the opponent that you were playing, uh, but that remains a struggle, and it's going to remain a struggle, you can best believe, for the foreseeable future and especially uh, their very next game. So uh, that remains the same. Still giving up a lot on defense. And as much as the rushing offense uh, was not what you'd want it to be uh, in the big picture, the rushing defense was one of the the lowlights uh, coming out of this game as they give up nearly 300 yards on the ground, two 100-yard rushers and Corey Kiner and Miles Montgomery. Um, and credit to those guys. Credit to Cincinnati. Like their bread and butter is the running game, as you could tell by watching Emory Jones today. Running is what they are better at doing, and that gives them a better chance to win than trying to throw the ball around. Uh, even though he had some some moderate success there, but um, you know that was their strength going on Baylor's weakness, and you wonder how that would play out. Well, two eighty eight on the ground for Cincinnati uh, versus one sixty two through the air, a couple of touchdowns apiece there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's something that has to get better. You know, they were just missing their fits a lot of time. This guy's not in the right gap. Um, they weren't tackling very well, which that's been a lingering problem, both those things throughout this entire season. And so, you know, at what point does that change? And and why is that still, a, you know, especially knowing where to be, why is that as much of an issue coming out of a bye week? Is it something that Cincy was doing or, or what? I don't know. Uh, but the run defense uh, was was definitely not something that you loved coming out of this game. So, you know, that also is something that's been just like with uh, having trouble running the ball yourself or uh, false starts or what other things you want to chalk up to that have kind of been the norm. This is still very much that team. The problems are still the problems. Uh, they could kind of mask them a little bit today with the passing game offensively. And then some turnovers and special teams able to put them over the top and mask or at least overcome some of those other recurring issues. Um, But yeah, this is still a team that's going to be a dog probably in in most of their remaining games, if not all of their remaining games. Certainly they will be next week at home against Iowa State, barring something crazy news-wise. Like, you know, which I don't even know. Like Iowa State's defense all has like the flu or something. Uh, The Cyclones will be favored rolling into Waco uh, next week, uh, so you know an uphill battle. But at three and four and two and two, it sure beats one and five and two and or excuse me two and five and one and three and being at the very bottom, uh, just slightly above UCF and being a, a trivia footnote for the Cincinnati you know record books and media guide. Uh, you know that I think those are two teams in the end that are pretty evenly matched. It's just that their strengths are and differences are the opposite of one another, really. Um, but besides that, they're pretty similar and will probably be somewhere around each other uh, when all is said and done in the final standings. Although, Baylor with a much better opportunity to distance themselves uh, moving forward and especially after today because you don't see a lot of hope in Cincinnati um, getting a lot of wins moving forward. And I, I don't necessarily see that with Baylor, but I feel better about it after today um, that they can beat a Houston maybe, even though Houston's having themselves a heck of a day against the Texas Longhorns as I record this. So that's not even a given. But you definitely wouldn't be thinking that way about anything upcoming had they lost to Cincinnati. So that's that's the point I'm trying to get at. So got to keep improving in the areas of weakness, run defense, run, running on offense, um, 
I mean, those those things we can harp on and continue to harp on. That's that's kind of stating the obvious. But uh, again, just good to get a dub on the road, and now a big time game coming up next week against the Iowa State Cyclones. So I'm going to celebrate uh, and being able to talk about a win and being able to write about a win, which is uh, going to be nice. But also going to enjoy a a night that looks like it's shaping up to be a doozy in college football. Hopefully uh, you, whenever you listen to this, have had a great weekend or are having one, and hopefully you're able to enjoy uh, that victory by the Baylor Bears. But until next time, appreciate everybody for listening. We'll have much more on the podcast, the Bearcast, Tuesday at 11.15, live on the YouTube channel, 365 Sports, Monday through Friday, starting at 3 o'clock, and also, of course, uh, articles Uh, throughout the week as well. We'll have much more on this game and much more on what's to come against the Cyclones, but the Bears get it done. 32-29 over Cincinnati, 3-4 overall, 2-2 in Big 12, and we'll see what awaits them next. But until next time, I'm Craig Smoke, and this has been the Rapid Reaction Podcast on Sikkim365.com.